It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Hello, Justin Ferguson here. Painter Sharpless over there. Hello, Painter. Hello, brother. Well, you were right, Painter. For those of you who are in the inner circle, you heard us preview the Kentucky game on our on our Thursday podcast. And Painter, you said it. Auburn was going to win this game. Uh, you were you, you placed your bet down. You also said <laughs> you also said they were going to they were going to beat the expectations in terms of SEC play. Um, my question to you is: Is were you ever worried? yesterday that your bet was not going to (laughs) not going to pay off yes i was very worried justin yes i was i think you can tell at what points that started to change but uh the first half not the best offensive half for anyone uh auburn beating kentucky 66 59 yesterday in auburn arena we're recording this here on a sunday hopefully we'll have this out by uh, sunday afternoon uh, for those of you listening then i know it's a holiday weekend as well some of y'all might be listening on your day off tomorrow I uh, hope everybody has a good weekend uh, mm-hmm. with that. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing for this one for Auburn was <laughs> Can in you the first the ball through the hole. Yeah, in the first half. I mean, we, we talked about it with Sharif Cooper in the lineup. Auburn had scored 184 points in four halves while turning the ball over a ton. They were just kind of scoring it well. They were doing it really, really quickly. And then in the first half against against Kentucky, they just couldn't find it. Um, they scored, uh, let's see, I'm going to pull up the first half box score here. 21 points for Auburn in the first half. They shot 8 of 33 from the field, 2 of 17 from deep. They only they, they even only went 3 of 6 from the free throw line. Only turned the ball over eight times um, and didn't really turn into Kentucky points that much on the other end. It is sort of funny that they were good at not turning the ball over but still couldn't score. Like their right. point totals would not indicate what you think they should have based on the last two games of scoring. Yeah, a team that had been, uh, I think they were number one in the SEC in effective field goal percentage uh, through the last few weeks. Uh, you couldn't, couldn't put it in. And that was the thing that, you know, I was trying to communicate on Twitter during the game because <laughs> you know fans were obviously you know freaking out about it and yeah it was bad and, and Bruce talked about it after the game how hard how hard it was for the offenses well, but I think it was like, this is a prime example of why it is you and some other people sometimes wear out of college basketball where it's like I watch Auburn because it's part of my job but I don't know based on what I've heard you say if you seek out a lot of college basketball games and the no. first half is partially why yeah it was just like guys you know, you watch that first half for Auburn. It wasn't that they were running bad stuff. It wasn't that they were making a ton of mistakes. It wasn't that they weren't getting wide open looks. The ball just wasn't going through the net, and that's it. Like that, that, that it wasn't like it wasn't like Auburn had to adjust a ton on offense because in the second half they didn't really do anything differently. They just it just started working a lot more. Um, they just needed the ball to start going through the net. Yeah, and a I bit. hesitate to even say execute better. I mean, I'm sure that no. there are, are things that you can find in the right. first yeah, half yeah, yeah, where they sure. didn't execute well, but some of it is just shot making, and that gets into a weird gray area of what's contagious and what is uh, something that sort of one player can sometimes turn things around for you. I don't know if that happened in the second half or not, but the two observations I had from this first half were one. This is probably a good test for Sharif Cooper, given that what he was dealing with in Kentucky, even though they also can't score, is more comparable to the type of... They were beating the snot out of him. Right. I mean, it's comparable to the type of athletes that he's more likely to see at the next level, right? Right. And then the other thing is, okay, you settled down. You had a horrific first half. You're trailing at the half at home to a team that, by the way, you've done well against over the last few years. Yeah, we'll talk about that. 
Um, that, that's huge. And, and you, you still bailed yourself out in the second half. Both of those things were encouraging that Sharif had some big moments against a team he struggled against and that the team itself rallied in the second half, even after a horrendous start. Yeah, the second half, the big change for Auburn was they stopped shooting as many three-pointers. In the first half, they shot 17 of them, only hit two. Second half, they only shot seven, hit three, because it became a real effort in this game to be like, all right, here's how this game's going to go. We are going to have to play a grinded-out physical game. They're, we're going to have to drive to the basket. We're going to have to create. Uh, we're we're going to we're gonna have to fight through contact. We're not going to get a ton of foul calls, but we're going to have to create contact and fight through it anyway because that's how this game's going to be played. No one's shooting well. No one in this game is shooting well. Nobody at Kentucky was shooting well, which no one's surprised by that, but nobody for Auburn was shooting particularly well either. So it was a very much a game where it was like, all right, can you be physical? Can you rebound? Can you play defense at a high level? These are things that Auburn had struggled with in SEC play, and, it, and those are things that Bruce Pearl has said multiple times when we've talked to him after games. He said, look, Sharif Cooper does not make us a better defensive team. It do, he does not make us a better rebounding team. He makes us a better offense. He makes us a better team in so many other areas, but he is not going to help you in terms of defense and rebounding to a, a major extent. So how are you going to be able to do that? And against Kentucky – Kentucky's brand of basketball, like Friday, Bruce talked his pregame um, press conference that he usually does previewing the game, and he said in his own statement, he was like, all right, there's some things that Kentucky do that, that make me nervous, or I can't remember his exact phrasing, but it was like, there's some things that Kentucky does that were, you know, that, that could give us some real problems. And the first question I had for him was, was like, all right, what are those things? Because Kentucky's offense has been so sporadic this season that like it, it was hard to kind of figure out. And he was saying they rebound the ball super well, offensive rebounds, so they get good second-chance looks. Um, and they block shots a lot. They don't force a ton of errors, but they block shots, and they try to get out on the break and transition and get some easy buckets that way. So those are two areas that Auburn has had trouble with, and they negated that, especially in the second half, because they out-rebounded Kentucky in this game which is something I did not expect to see them coming. They did not really give Kentucky a whole lot of easy looks uh, with their turnovers and with, you know, long bounces or whatever. And they did a really good job of just manning up, playing defense, and shutting down this Kentucky team that, like, I mean, face it, like, they, I, I have no idea what John Calipari's doing. Like, some of his lineups that he is running right now are just baffling to me. Uh, but you check, but you, you play whoever's in front of you, and for this case, for Auburn, it was it was a Kentucky team that was sticking to a triple big lineup a lot that was going to have to try to score right around the rim because they didn't really have anybody who could stretch the floor consistently. And, um, man, this was a game made for a guy like Alan Flanagan, and boy, did he have a game, especially that second half. Yeah, that was one of my big takeaways here was, you know, everybody's focusing on Sharif, and rightly so, but I think you pointed out in your observations – and, and I know people are giving Flanagan some credit, but it has been easier to sort of forget Flanagan's role over the last couple of games, given how well Sharif Cooper has played. And yep. you cannot ignore his efforts in this one, especially in the second half. Uh, Alan Flanagan in the second half, 16 points, six rebounds in, in 16 minutes. Like he had a really good game in the second half of this one. He was eight of eight from the free throw line. Guys, I, I cannot stress to you enough how major that has been this year because Alan Flanagan last season his offense was not good he had a hard time shooting he had a really hard time for the free throw line but his defense is so good they had him on the floor 
even though he wasn't bringing up in the offense. He has proven this season that he can be a number one option and Auburn can win games with him being the number one scoring option because he did it in the second half of this game. He did it at a really, really high level. He got to the free throw line. He got a ton of really tough rebounds. He had six boards in the second half alone. And that's a, that, that's the kind of thing. This is a game where Kentucky, they're a very big team. They've got um, they've got some really good um, big men in terms of rebounding. And so the big men in this game for Auburn, whether it was Jalen Williams who had an excellent second half as well, uh, whether it was Dylan Carwell who played well throughout off the bench, whether it was Stretchock and Bola, uh, who, who came off the who came off the bench and gave you some good minutes? Those guys were getting were having to box out and and like really really try to neutralize what Kentucky was doing up front. So your wings have to rebound a lot more. Your 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 bigger your bigger guys have to. I mean your your smaller guys had to do a lot in terms of rebounding. And Flanagan was the one who took a lot of advantage. This game was made for him because he is not a player who is flashy. He is not a player uh, who thrives. Um, you know, in a in a in a wide open kind of game where you're trying to get some isolation and stuff like that. Now he has proven that he can get the ball in his hands and give you a bucket if you need to. He has done that this season. But what he's really good at is he's like the Isaac Okoro of this season, where a physical game is where he what he brings to the table. Um, in a physical game, he's going to bring a lot to the table in that because this is the way he wants to play basketball. And he won him the game in the second half with the way he played on both ends of the floor, and you're just seeing this dude thrive because right now he doesn't have to, like, outside of the times where Cooper is resting, he doesn't have to play point guard anymore. He has to he gets to play his natural position, and he is thriving right now because I think some of the things he picked up on offense while he had to be the number one guy, while he had to be the point guard, has only helped him now that he is, you know, back to playing that normal wing spot. Yeah, to that end, this entire season has been one of – potential and frustration. And right now you're seeing the potential in the first two games with Cooper back and then he struggles because Kentucky has a good game plan. And then Mm -hmm. Flanagan does his thing and helps you win the game over Kentucky. And all that's happening without Justin Powell. Yep. And and so real quick with Justin Powell, I had said earlier, like, hey, well, he was able to go back to practice this week. Maybe that's a good sign they could bring him back for Saturday. He wasn't available again yesterday. Bruce Pearl said before the game, uh, it's a really good quote he told Andy Burcham on the on the radio call. I'm going to look it up here because I believe... Uh, yeah, I was sort of operating off the presumption, Ferg, that they could have played him against Georgia, you know, and that was clearly uh, bad information because I was like, all right, they're just going to save him for Kentucky and he'll get to play against his, you know, home state team. Yeah. Um, and so it seems like it's not the thing. He's just has had a setback with that. Uh, this is what... This is what he told Andy Burcham in the pregame. This was uh, this is friend of the newsletter, Justin Lee, tweeting this out before the game. Uh, he said, quote, Everybody responds differently to injuries and particularly to head injuries. If you've got headaches and you're dizzy and you don't feel right, you have a concussion. And we will not play him until he is ready. So when people are asking, well, what is he not doing on the bench? What is he not doing? He's like, he's still going through it head injury-wise, like – to the point where like light sounds, all that could not be helping him out at all. So that's why you're not seeing him out there on the sidelines. And there's some people who are going to want to have some conspiracy theories about it and all that. It's just, it sounds to me though, that from what you've been able to hear and gather about, about, about Justin Powell is that he had his head injury. He was, he made progress through the protocol and they were able to put him out there and practice a little bit. He went out there, started moving around. Wasn't, you know, was it good? Was it feeling right? And so now he's still having to kind of overcome that. And like Bruce said, everybody responds to brain injuries different ways. And those are scary, scary things. So as much as Auburn would love to have him back right now, 
I mean, this dude's got a bright, 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 bright future, and they're going to only play him when he's 100% going right. to go. And there's no reason to – I mean, there's no reason to pressure a kid to play anyway, period. Yeah, I think like, the obvious part is you don't want to put injured people out there, but even if you were willing to do that, would this be the year you wanted to? This would to? be the worst year to do that. As much as you would love to see Sharif Cooper and, and, and Justin Powell play with each other and, and all that, this, there's, no, there's no benefit to it. Like, this is a year – like, the, this is a year for development. This is a year for getting better. Next season is the one where you're going to get back into into contention again. So, um, but that's the thing with with Powell. And again, you watched it in the the especially in the first half of this game. They were getting wide open looks from deep. They just weren't hitting them. Maybe the dude who's shooting nearly fifty percent from three point range <laughs> and is a catch and shoot kind of guy might be the one to give you some 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 edge there. Another guy I wanted to talk about. And we'll we'll get to Cooper uh, specifically. Another guy I want to talk to talk about is J T Thor. Because in this game, in the second half particularly, JT Thor did not shoot the ball well. But the plays that he made were super impactful. Um, He rebounded well throughout the game. He had a stretch where he forced three Kentucky turnovers in like less than two minutes. I mean, there's an argument that that seals the game for Auburn, and I think I can make a pretty good one. Yep. He He has a couple of steals. He has a pick six where uh, he Euro steps, the only basket he hits in the second half of that game. Um, Euro steps. Uh, Shout out to, I believe, Flanagan for cleaning up the miss he had, by the way. That Euro step mm-hmm. was pretty, you're right. Uh, and so, in t- yeah, you know, in two straight possessions, he gets steals and, and goes up the floor and misses one of them and then hits another one. Um, down the stretch, gets a late rebound, um, I believe. Let me pull that up. He gets a rebound with... Um, the rebound after Kentucky misses a shot late, um, he he the ball ends up in his hands. It's not after a rebound. Sorry, it was the one where it was the one where <laughs> I said Doug Shows. I don't know what he's doing. Um, yeah, so Jalen Williams gets the tie up. That's what it was. So Auburn had uh, Auburn had um, it was it Auburn had had cut it. It was it was up back to a four point game. Twenty eight seconds left. Um, they fouled Devin Askew. Askew goes to the line. He hits the first one to go down by three, and then long rebound off the off the offensive rebound off the miss. And Jalen Williams gets it gets a tie up. Great play by him. Gets a tie up. Auburn ball. So Auburn's up by three with the ball. They go and run. They, they run. Kentucky's trying to pressure. They kick it out to JT on the wing, and it looks like it's about to be a turnover, and it's a foul call. Um, and and Doug Chow's is like going to like make the University of Kentucky, um, you know, put him on a watch list or something like that. Well, Thor steps up to the line, hits both free throws, and Auburn seals it seals it from there. Um, Man, I, by the way, taking that trend of the Kentucky fans, saw some beautiful posts. Those people are very unhappy right now. Very, very, very unhappy. <laughs> it's very and, funny the way it's manifesting itself, too. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, Kentucky fans, and I know none of you are There might be one. There's one Kentucky fan a who Kentucky might be listening. Fan, maybe. I know. I know a. I know of a Kentucky fan who might be listening to this podcast. But <laughs> but um, and uh, he will probably he'll probably have the same takeaway. This if you want to be very very mad at Kentucky basketball right now, be mad at John Calipari because I have no idea what that dude. He did doing. this to you, and like you know that comes with all the good he's brought over the last decade yeah, for plus. Sure. And, and, like, I said this the other night. His lineups I, make no sense, man. I, I said something about, you know, well, they've, they've it's amounted to one championship, all the talent he's brought on campus. And, like, I don't want that to sound like a knock because Auburn hasn't won a championship ever. So, right. you know, 
But at the same time, with all that talent, I would argue it should have been better. And it, the lineup this year is just baffling. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be that bad on offense. There's no. There's no way. And, I, and even even with my things of saying like, well, all the guys that you've recruited are all all giant wingspan dudes who can who are very athletic. I mean, there were some there were some plays in that game like uh, like Jacob Toppin. Like Jacob Toppin, I thought was okay in the game, but. I don't know, man. It's just hard to imagine if you like if if some of those guys were playing with Mark Few, that the results still wouldn't be better. I mean, or, or it doesn't have to be Few. You just can make a the, coach. You, you can make the argument that yesterday Isaiah Jackson and and uh, Olivier Saar and then Deontay Allen to an extent were the best players they had, and they barely played. Like their minutes, the minutes rotation was weird. Um, and here's another thing. Also, uh, Auburn tried really hard to get BJ Boston. And I thought BJ Boston was going to be really, really good. Man, BJ Boston's struggling, like struggling, struggling. Like this is a dude people thought was going to be a lottery pick, one and done type of talent. And it's like I don't know about this now. Um, he might have to come back another year at, at the way he's playing at Kentucky. But yeah, I mean Auburn on the other hand, not as much talent, but you can see where the pieces fit together as a team, especially on the offensive end, uh, a whole lot more. And that comes down to Sharif Cooper along as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this game looks totally different if they're playing it a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Auburn's in the same spot Kentucky's in. They just can't score. They certainly can't reliably create offense for themselves. Well, the funny thing was is that during the game, it was like Sharif obviously was not hitting shots. He didn't. He, he did not hit a single shot in the first half. Um, he went all. He only went five and ten for the free throw line the whole game. That and was, was the thing a, that I was thrown off the most by. You know, it's like to me this seemed like a mental toughness game for him, and he answered when he needed to late. But I was a little disappointed that like that had been an area of his game that over the first two games I've just been like, great, he is an excellent free throw shooter, and that seemed to be rubbing off on some of his teammates. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and it still did. I mean, Auburn, sure, he's missed five free throws. The Dylan Carlo is the only one who who missed one period of the rest of the game. Allen was perfect from the line. Thor was perfect from the line. Was, he wrote Allen was eight of eight. Yeah, Allen was eight of eight. So, I mean, that you ended up you ended up being being fine for it for moving forward. And Kentucky was nine of sixteen from the line as well. So, like you you won that battle pretty soundly in that in that aspect. Um, but Sharif Cooper, here's the thing with Sharif Cooper: he does not have to be a scorer for him to be a really really good mm-hmm. player. There was this thing going on during the during the game where it was like. Man, Sharif, it wasn't that Sharif was having a tough game. It became that Sharif was having a bad game, and that was not the case, right? Shooting-wise, was not a good game for him. If, yeah, if you looked at the box score and looked at one category. Yeah, but he also had eight assists in this game. He had eight assists, and Auburn hit 23 shots, right? He he still created a lot of looks for his for his teammates, four turnovers uh, in that game. And then here's the other thing about him that, that, that made it that made it big. A week earlier, he plays a fantastic game against Alabama. Couldn't be stopped. Was a scorer and a creator. Did really, really well. In crunch time, he makes mistakes. He makes he makes bad decisions. Auburn loses the game. Right? Kentucky cuts the game back to a two-point game. They make it go on a little run late. Auburn has the ball. They have not scored in a, in a while. And it is with um, a, yeah, a minute 40 left in the game. Kentucky's cut it all the way back to two. Auburn goes down the floor. He runs. He, he runs a he runs another screen and roll with Jalen Williams, um, which Kentucky had done a really good job during the game of uh, of really putting the pressure on Cooper early, throwing a lot of stuff at him, trying to trying to get force contact early in the process to throw him off, make it a lot tougher. But Auburn goes back to it. 
and Jalen what and and I mean tough spot in the game, right? This is a a high tense intense moment. People are worrying worrying about if Auburn's going to blow this game. And in this high-pressure situation, he throws a lob to Jalen Williams, and, and it's perfect. Boom. Auburn scores. Okay. Then, on the other end of the floor, Jacob Toppin dunks back to a two-point game. Auburn gets it back to the other end. Cooper works the clock. He doesn't get a pick. He just says, hey, one-on-one. I'm going to get to the basket. He gets to the basket, drives in, gets a layup. Auburn ends up holding on and winning off of that. So, even though he had shot not as well in this game, and Auburn's offense was not as good in this game as it had been the first two games with him when the game mattered the most he made the two biggest baskets of the game happen he stopped the bleeding a little bit uh with Jalen Williams with that lob to Jalen Williams that alley-oop to Jalen Williams and then on the next possession he goes one-on-one gets to the gets to the rim gets the two points to keep Auburn in front they ended up winning winning the game so even though he didn't shoot well the thing that he had struggled with a week before and the thing that he had said he was going to do a better job the next time he had that opportunity finish the game close the game he did just that he had the two biggest he had the, the two biggest baskets of the game all came down to him and and, and of course Jalen Williams so let's not throw off on Jalen Williams Jalen Williams had a an excellent final minute as well like we said he had that he finished the alley oop he also got that tie up he showed why um you know even though Dylan Carwell was playing really well in this game Leave Jalen Williams in. He's the closer uh, in, in in the front court. Um, but yeah, I think Sharif Cooper closed the game well. And so even though it was statistically quote unquote not a great game for him, I mean he he won you the game. He won you the game down the stretch, and that is what he does. So I mentioned the two observations from the first half, but you wrote about this, and it was certainly something I couldn't help but notice in the second half, which was that it was definitely a team effort to get this mm-hmm. win. There were players who individually made mistakes, as you would expect, sure. But there were players who didn't have their best games. And in other areas, players did enough around each other to beat a team that was, at least on paper, more talented than them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and Kentucky, they were favored against Kentucky in this one for a number Mm -hmm. of reasons, but it was close. And you were not protect. Like, the fact is, is that Auburn is now in a spot. And we'll get to this a little bit more later, but I want to point it out with this game. Auburn's in a spot where they can't they don't have to play necessarily particularly their best game to beat Kentucky. That that is a that is a monster development for a basketball program, especially in the SEC. Another guy I want to mention, you say everybody contributing. We mentioned Flanagan, we mentioned Thor, we mentioned Cooper, we mentioned uh, hey Dylan Carwell. Dylan Carwell had eight boards off the bench. The this way he a- plays is awesome because it's like, you know, you mentioned this too. He doesn't have the most technical skill. Like the yeah. raw portion of his game is very evident, but he still adds a ton of value. And Bruce and Bruce mentioned this after the game. Um, but I wanna I don't want to read this quote because I think it hits a it hits a lot of it here. Um He says Dylan Carwell's out there, you know, against five star kids, high major transfers, and he didn't even play high school basketball the year before. And then he didn't play high school basketball in the year before. He played against he played behind uh, Kofi Kofi Kaufman at Oak Hill. Kofi Kaufman, uh, if you don't know, is the um, Kofi Kofi Kaufman, Sorry, um, is the uh, really big um, really big center at Illinois, who is like one of the best players in the country right now. Uh, Cockburn, um at Oak Hill, and so Carwell has been not one of ten minutes really in the last two years is what it sounds like. And now he's stepping in, and he wasn't. Like Dylan Carwell was not a um, was not a big name recruit coming out of high school. He was a he was a three star. He was a just a solid player you get coming out of high school, and he is holding his own and then some 
against some of the best players in college basketball when you look at the talent that, are, that, that is coming to a place like Kentucky. And so, big game for him. But I want to really, really focus on another guy who played exceptionally well. He, he played well in the first half as well. Um, was was uh, really only giving you some of your only offense in the first half. And then in the second half, scored eight points, went 2-2 from deep. Uh, and, uh, you know, finished a, finished a nice live as well, and that's Devin Cambridge. And so Devin Cambridge, this season, earlier in the year, there was... I was a critic. Uh, this is this is what is a player that I was disappointed in this season, and a lot of that had to do with his offense, right? A lot of that had to do with the streakiness, and I was like, man, he really seems like a weak link on this team and it's starting mm-hmm. to look like that's a bad take here in conference play. We'll see how that continues to progress, but it looks like I might have jumped on that a little bit early. Well, I mean, there was a, there was there was a game where he was like Jamal Johnson was like a plus 30 something in the game and, and and Devin was like almost completely opposite. You know, like there he, were games he played that, badly. He, I, I don't think he would shy away from no. telling you that like it would be hard not to be honest if you were him about some of your performances in non-conference play and, and he wasn't shooting particularly well he was having some turnovers he and, is so know. bouncy sometimes when Sharif throws the ball up to him for alley-oops I'm like there's no way he's going to be able to reach that and he does and he and he does so what the thing with Devin Cambridge is is that his game right now and his uh, he is not a guy who is going to create his own shot routinely right he is not He's not a dude who's going to thrive in ISO. And that's fine because when he gets hot shooting, there might not be a better streak shooter on this team, right? We haven't, well, we'll see what, if Powell can do that. But, like, there might not be a better streak shooter on this team. There's not a better lob guy on this team, which makes him really, really sore with a dude like uh, Sharif Cooper. He's not a better lob guy. He's going to go up there and get it. He runs the rim really well. He's rebounding at a high rate. He's defending at a high I mean, he just came off a game where he had five blocks. And he's a wing. like So he is a guy that is going to work hard and be very athletic on both ends of the floor. He is a supercharged version of Malik Dunbar. Like That is that is what you're getting out of him. And we know how important Malik Dunbar was to those Auburn teams. With a guy like Cambridge, you got a dude who can be a better shooter from outside. And as good as as good as Malik Dunbar is, and I don't want to throw off on him because I think he's an awesome. <clears throat> sorry, I think he's an awesome player. Um, Devin's got more bounce to him. Like Devin, like Devin's probably a better rim attacker than 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 Dunbar was, and so you need those guys like that. Well, last week Sharif Cooper comes into the starting lineup, and three veterans on the team, Jamal Johnson, Alan Flanagan, and Devin Cambridge, all say, "Hey." I'm willing to step out of the starting lineup so so Sharif can start. Okay. At that point, nobody was thinking it was going to be Alan Flanagan, right? Obviously. <laughs> he was But at that point also Jamal Johnson had been playing really good basketball in, in in recent weeks. And so Cambridge was the one who had had struggled to that point. And so he takes steps out of the starting lineup and and it's fine because he's getting close to starter quality minutes in this rotation right now, right? Him and him and Jamal Johnson and, and Alan Flanagan are all kind of rotating at a pretty good clip. And he's played his best ball these last three games, coming out of the starting lineup and then immediately turns into three straight really good games. He scored in the double digits each of the last three games. He'd only done that he'd only done that three times in starts, right? He's already matched his double digits in three games off the bench, he's matched the number of double digit scoring performances he had as a starter. And two of those games came against 
St. Joe's and um, I can't remember who the other one was. It was like App State or something like that. Might not have been App State. Um, one of one or South. It was South. It was early earlier in the season. Um, he. But you also like you know he's near- shooting like he's shooting like nearly fifty percent from deep in these last three games. He's only missed like two shots from inside in, inside the two point line. He had a five block game the other night. He's rebounding really really well. And to me, I wrote about it on on, on Sunday for those of you who are or Saturday night for those of you who are, who are um, subscribers. It's like the bas- it's like the concept of basketball karma for him. It's that this guy was willing to step out of the starting lineup and sacrifice his spot. And like Auburn was probably going to do it anyway, but the fact that he was one of the guys who would be willing to step out of the starting lineup, that he embraced that opportunity, and then he immediately coming off the bench is playing is in the best form of his of his season if not his career to this point. I mean, objectively, right? objectively you have to you, you you can't look at that i don't care if you're an auburn fan i don't care if you're a media member i don't care if you're someone who doesn't even have any connection to either you got to look at a dude like that and 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 you can't help but smile at that because this yeah. is a guy this is a guy who embraced the concept of teamwork and not just trying to get yours and immediately and immediately gets rewarded for it like immediately think, gets rewarded for it i think we can all respect someone who sort of knows where they stand right yeah. who doesn't push back on what it is their role should be and this was part of what i'd hoped he'd become i thought man if at the beginning of the year if you get a full lineup and he is one of your first options coming off the bench alongside jamal johnson you've got a pretty nasty rotation of shooters on that second team that you can work in with the first group and I just get more excited thinking about him and his development and his ability to progress after the struggles. In addition to Trey Alexander, another shooter next year. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. Who, but, who, by the way, who, by the way, if y'all if if y'all want to get excited about Trey Alexander, Auburn fans, go look up his stats. He's putting up right now at Heritage Hall. Like, it's pretty funny because no one's really talking about him. He's like thirty. He's because, like he's like thirty points a night. Right. It's like right everyone's now. excited about Jabari Parker. You may have a legitimate one and done. Jabari Smith. I'm excited about Jabari. Me, I'm, I'm excited about Jabari Parker, but I think that ship sailed. But <laughs> so, I, love I, mean, I, I love Jabari. I, love I, I want to say uh, to Cambridge, nicely done. Yeah, I mean, it's just you love you, you love to see that he he was because um, I was out. I was I was kind of dogging him in the first half of the season. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was like, man, does he belong? Does he need to go somewhere where it's, he's going to be able to get the minutes he because they and the thing was they hadn't been restricting his minutes even during the uh-uh. struggles. Pearl kept playing him, and 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 I think he's shown why he has shown why he is he's played with him because I think that skill set is something that. You know, he's got a skill set that Alan Flanagan doesn't have. He's got a skill set that Jamal Johnson doesn't have. He's got a skill set that um, that a guy, that Justin Powell doesn't have. He does things that other wings, other guards in this in this lineup just can't do. Simply can't do, right? Right. Um, on top of that, with with Cambridge, by the way, the other thing I like about Devin Cambridge, and I know fans get frustrated at this, but I, if you haven't picked up on it yet, I don't know what's go, what it's going to take. <laughs> shooters shoot you cannot handcuff a kid at the beginning of the season he was having a really hard time with a shot and he kept putting that thing up in the air and that's what you have to do if he is a shooter you have to let him shoot through it right especially in a year like this when it's not like you're not living and dying by the results but he said he said this uh, after the game he said playing for Auburn everybody has the green light 
Sharif at the point, he's going to find me. I'm going to take those shots if they're open. I'm, I'll continue to shoot them. I'm never down on myself. If I'm missing shots, I'll continue to put them up. And that's the, that's a good thing to have. We saw this. That was a that was a skill that I thought that uh, a trait that Bryce Brown had that made him such a such a really good shooter is that even when he had bad games, he just kept putting them up there because they're going to go down at some point. Like they're going to happen. They're going to go down. Um, uh, Jared Harper definitely had had it to an extent. And Devin Cambridge has done that as well. He shot through a slump earlier in this year because that's what shooters do. And if he wouldn't have done it, if he would have gotten a little gun shot with his shot, well, Auburn might not have won yesterday because he was the only one who was hit from outside. Um, and we'll and we'll see that as it, as it continues to grow. I think that is a great proof that you know not only do you have the basketball karma of a dude willing to step out of the starting lineup and immediately getting rewarded with really good really good performances. But also you have a dude who just believes that shoot or shoot, and you just keep going going through it. And I think I think that's a really really big um, I think that's a really big step for him. And now moving forward, Auburn fans, that's what you're going to also have to see with with Sharif Cooper to an extent, because Bruce said it after the game. He can shoot the three. I know he hadn't hit one yet, and I know it, I, he's only hit one out of however many so far. He's like, I know that, but you're gonna you're gonna see defenses aren't gonna leave him open out there. Because if he does, he's going to hit it. And again, Sharif Cooper's doing so much for this this team offensively that he doesn't have to be a shooter in order for them to win games. But he's going to try to be. He's going. He's he might put up another couple of games where he's he's having a hard time finding it from deep. But when the light comes on and he starts hitting it, it's going to be pretty impressive to watch. We saw we saw Bryce Brown do that throughout his career. We've seen we've seen Devin Cambridge do that recently, and I think it's going to I think the light's going to come off for Sharif Cooper at some point. Great win, good team effort. I'm excited. Next two games are big. I want both of them, but you got to split them. And uh, that was a good start, getting a win against a Kentucky team that a lot of people are down on, and rightfully so. But as you wrote, they are still by far and away, not close, the team, the program that everybody in this conference measures themselves against. Auburn has now won three out of the last four against Kentucky. (laughs) They have beaten Kentucky in each of the last four seasons, they're the only team in the SEC, they're the only team in college basketball, but the only team in the SEC that can say that. that they've beaten Kentucky so far in each of the last four seasons. This is a program that won 17 out of 108 before the 2015-2016 before the 20, uh, season. Right. So since Auburn ha- turned the corner as a program, when they found a way to put it all together... In Bruce's second season, the year after that, they they, they go to the uh, all right. No, actually, I'm sorry. Two years later, they go to the NCAA, NCAA tournament. So, like, basically, under Bruce, they are 500 against Kentucky. And in recent years, since they've turned the corner, they have been three and three and one against against Kentucky. No matter like 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 we said, this Kentucky offense is dreadful to watch. I have no idea what the, what their plan is when they get in the half court. And I don't think John Calipari does either. And it's just a team full of potential NBA players, though. Right, exactly. And even then, though, like, I don't – they might have missed the scout on some of these sure, guys. Sure, sure, that's fair. I mean, but generally speaking, I'm looking at a bunch of dudes. There have been years where I'm like, hmm, feel like it should be a little better, Cal. But no matter what, I know your team doesn't suck. Yeah, and, th- like, rebounding-wise and defensive-wise, they've got a lot of potential. But they're not going to win games like that. They can't, <laughs> they can't score. So- as long as you're not turning the ball over and giving them easy easy possessions, which is what Auburn did in this game yesterday, 
um, which was really, really good, especially in the second half. If you're not giving them easy looks and you're not breaking down in, in the half court and, and letting them like basically dunk on every possession, they're not going to score. Like, I know Deontay Allen had some had 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 a couple of really good games, and they need to play him more. But they're not going to score. Yeah, if and I'm not mistaken, in the first half of the game yesterday, um, 15 of Kentucky's 25 points came off of offensive rebounds, second chance points. I mean to say, and turnovers. So you know they scored 10 points out of just setting up their offense. Yeah, and running it in the first half. So just to underline the point that they really cannot score. They scored 10 points and a half just running offense. And that's and that's and that's baffling because you have that much talent, right? And I don't think Cal is a I don't think Cal is a particularly great X's and O's coach. That's not his strength. His strength is recruiting, building mm-hmm. a team, you know, managing managing that that aspect. That's what's made him, you know, the highest paid coach in college basketball. Um but man, it is just like I don't. There's no answers. Like I don't it's, think, it's weird, I don't think right? there's an answer for them. Yeah, you've got this factory of talent, not unlike what you see at Alabama. And I know the sports aren't the same, but the results certainly aren't either, right? Like Alabama's averaging a national title every other year with all that talent. Kentucky, well, not as yeah. much. Yeah, and again, and Allen, Allen can shoot, but I don't. I mean, this is it. That's it. And I thought BJ Boston would have been a better player offensively and he just isn't right now so maybe the light will come on but it's just even still again and kentucky fans yesterday would be quick to tell you oh this is the worst kentucky team in 100 years what are y'all so happy about it's like because because you're kentucky because you have more talent than anyone on the planet uh, in 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 terms of <laughs> in terms of recruiting i'm sure it's annoying to be the kentucky duke alabama teams of the world when you do happen to lose everyone celebrates so it's a little annoying but it's like have you not figured out that it's enjoyable to beat you all one because of all the rich history you have and two because you act exactly the way it is that you act it's very fun to remind you that currently you suck auburn was a favorite in this game they covered by the way um we love that but it was just like they celebrated on the court after the game and they did the little quick dance. But even still, like the vibe and and during the game, you know, it got really it got really for the people who were there, got loud in the second half. Um, I had tweeted a point where it was like in the first half, and I guess it was because of the way the offense was going, but like there were so many people in that game that were just kind of sitting down watching it quietly. Now the students were not the students who were there were not it. And the fans in general kind of got up there late, but it was just like, man, you're one of the very few people who get who get to watch Kentucky Auburn in person this season, and you're gonna watch it quietly while while sitting right. down. I like, don't know what the percentile breakdown is, but what there's a roughly eighty five hundred, about nine thousand seats normally, and what they say on the broadcast, something to the tune of fifteen hundred in that ballpark. So yeah. I'm no good at math, but you know, ten or fifteen percent, whatever. You're one of those lucky people and you're yeah. sort of treating this like you're watching it at cookout, you know, just it's, sort of like I, I said right. the vibe I said the vibe and the atmosphere kind of felt like a spring football game. Now in the second half and in the second half it got better. And I was just thinking that game would I mean, Auburn Auburn beat Kentucky in this game without having to rely on like, you know, because every time they beat Kentucky at home, it's like, it's that, it's the jungle. It's the home court advantage. It was so loud and it was either right on top of you. And that, that helps you win games. They didn't have to, they didn't do that. They didn't do that in this game. And they beat Kentucky and it was a celebration. 
but immediately afterwards, it's just kind of you get the vibe of like, oh yeah, that that's normal. Yeah, like the, the Auburn idea just of beat Kentucky by seven at home. Right, didn't the pr- idea play of particularly well. Kentucky does not mean what it used to mean. You want to do it? I think it's still a good benchmark, yeah. but it's not this program defining Bruce, Bruce. or shaking moment anymore. Yeah, Bruce. Uh, you know, Bruce said it was you know it's historic and it's where you want to be and like, but even still, it's just that the vibe you get afterwards where it's like. Not that you're not celebrating it, because I think Auburn fans really had a lot of... I mean, they had a lot of fun knowing that they beat Kentucky and celebrating that, and you should. But it was also kind of like a, yeah, that's not... You know, that's not a... Uh, uh, th- th- that's not a surprise. This isn't an upset. This isn't a... This isn't a, oh, wow. Auburn Auburn's in a position where they, they beat Kentucky at their own game. They didn't play particularly mm-hmm. well on the whole on Saturday. They didn't have to rely on the fact that you know, they had a 9,000 fans screaming down their necks the whole game. And it didn't matter. It was, they won. And that is the sign of where this program, I think it's a sign of also where Kentucky is not that great this year. Right. But it's also, I think, a sign of like, Auburn has built a consistent contender. This is not a flash in the pan. This is not a, South Carolina made that one run to the Final Four. You know, this is not a, this is not a, hey, you're really good at really quickly and, and you fell off. Like, we've seen so many SEC teams, especially in the network era where they're invested more in the sport. We have seen rises and falls pretty quickly, right? It's about building a team that's built to last, a program that can measure up against the best of the best in the league consistently, and there's no better benchmark than beating Kentucky, and no one is beating Kentucky as regularly as Auburn is right now in the SEC. From Again, an outsider's perspective, yep. it looks very healthy – for a program to act like it's been there, to be beating a team with some regularity, and then also to not feel as if it's a monumental moment anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's, oh, we need to do this because as a program, we consider ourselves every bit as good as they consider themselves. Think about it this way. The the the, the narrative now is, that can Auburn be, consistently compete with Kentucky? Now the narrative is, can they go to Rupp and win? That's the new thing. That's the, that's your new benchmark, and you'll have a shot to do it on February 13th, a few Saturdays from now. They'll play Kentucky and Rupp, and it's going to be can you win in Rupp? And then if they win in Rupp and they sweep Kentucky in a season, that, I mean, what, what more proof do you need? Yeah, even with Kentucky being down this year, sweeping them with this young team. Yes, and a young team that where the results don't necessarily matter, right? Like this is a year for development. This is a year to get better because next season's the year when you get out when you're eligible for the postseason and everything can plug in. But if you if you manage to sweep Kentucky and finally get one in Rupp with this team, knowing what you could bring back for next season, buddy, I mean, like you you're at the point now. It's it's kind of like what we've been saying. When you add Jabari Smith, when you add Trey Alexander, when you if you bring everybody back. This is a team that's going to be one of the best in America next season. If you I don't can know do that. why, I want and to even call if you him. lose, and even if you lose, and even if you lose, lose against Kentucky, that's not a sign of anything that good or bad. But I'm just thinking, man, if you think about the concept of program momentum, and you think about the concept of of building that culture and and adding on to it, you can be like, hey guys, we weren't even eligible for the postseason. We have one of the youngest teams in college basketball. We beat Kentucky twice. The national riders are starting to latch on to this Auburn team, and I know I'm not the only one to point this out, but it uh, looks like King James is watching Sharif play. And uh, ah, I think, I think yeah. last week uh, Kevin Durant was watching him play against Alabama, so I don't know if that's just coincidence or not, but people are paying attention to the dude. Yeah. 
I mean, if I played in the NBA, I don't know if I'd necessarily be watching college basketball. A lot. <laughs> but these guys are these guys are watching, and like, I mean, people know people know that Sharif Cooper is the real deal. People know that Sharif Cooper Cooper's the real deal, and I think I think Jabari Smith's gonna have people like that next year as well, um, just because of his 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 uh, pedigree and and how good he is coming out of high school. And on just top of it, once a podcast, I call him Jabari Parker. Not yeah. sure why it is. I, I want to do it so badly. I love Jabari Parker. <laughs> Auburn I shot w- up in its defensive efficiency after that Kentucky game. I think they moved up like thirteen spots. Mm-hmm. They played. They played some really good defense in that game, and, and they played good defense in the first half and most of the game because Georgia as well. I guess the blocks really helped. But um, how about Georgia getting a win over Ole Miss? So here's so that I'm glad you brought that up because now we're coming into like the hey the SEC is kind of dumb uh, season like. Right now, the class of the conference, the only team that has, is still undefeated in the conference Holy is Alabama. Cr- oh, my God. And they're really good. What guys. in the world? In non-conference play, I was like, perfect. This is not going out. Because I was all on board with the NATO tire. was a good one. Yep. And then there were some rumblings about some chemistry issues among maybe some other problems in non-conference play. And they were not playing well. And that has all gone away. And right now, through about the halfway point, of conference play, there is not another team, including Tennessee, that looks to be where they are. My only hope at this point is that they channel their channel their inner LSU of the last two seasons and just completely combust down the stretch. I'll say this, Auburn. You know, it was very frustrating the way that game ended. And you had a chance to beat Alabama. You're the only team that's come close to beating Alabama right now. Tennessee lost by eight at home to them. Uh, Florida lost by 15. Kentucky lost by 20. Uh, Arkansas just lost by 31 to them. That game was never even close. They are struggling since conference play. Uh, Alabama and LSU play uh, early next week. That'll be interesting to see if um, if LSU can get that. They're starting to kind of piece some Come things on. together. Uh, Tennessee has lost. Their only loss has been to um, Alabama. They're pretty good. Other than that, though, it's a league where it's like anything can really happen at this point, right? Um we just saw Georgia get a win over Ole Miss, and that Ole Miss team, you know, beat Auburn, and they were pretty competitive. Ole Miss has been pretty competitive in the in their games since then, but Georgia gets that win. Uh, Arkansas looked like, you know, Arkansas scored ninety seven on Auburn, and then they've lost four out of their last five. The only t- the the only game they've beaten in that stretch, the only team they beat in that stretch is Georgia. Um, you know, Missouri. I thought Missouri looked really, really good for a while, and then they've lost by 20 to Tennessee. They lost by 15 to Mississippi State. Like, this conference is, and again, it doesn't really matter for Auburn this year because they're not playing in the postseason, but, like, there's not a team. Like, you've already played the best team in the league in, in, in Alabama. There's not a team that you can't think that you have a shot to beat. And you don't play Tennessee until the second to last game of the year. You don't play Alabama again until the very end. So you have this stretch coming up where you play Arkansas, which who knows what Arkansas looks like. Right, like who they've lost four out of Probably their last five. Probably a slight favorite in yeah. that game, but I think well, it's, it's so hard be to small. win. It's so hard to win at Bud Walton. Like it, it, it historically, it's just been a just been a nightmare place to try to win basketball games. You play South Carolina next Which week. Which I know is a game to me. It feels like that should just be a win. Like I can go ahead and chalk that one up. And they haven't Martin's been able to play. Teams are just weird, and like that's not just this year in general. They are a thorn, I think, and. Some teams' sides. They haven't been able to play. Frank Martin got uh, COVID again. I don't understand what's going on over there. It's, I don't it's really tough. want them around our players either. It's it's tough. It's tough for <laughs> sure. It's tough for sure. And then you play Missouri at home, and then you go to Baylor. So like you have a little stretch here coming up. 
where it's going to be tough. And then after you play that Baylor team, Georgia, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Kentucky again, State, and then you have another really rough stretch to end the season. In the last four games, the SEC was like, enjoy this. Yes. Um, so that middle of the schedule is where you can kind of get get to at this point. But, you know, Arkansas is going to be a tough game. Like, I I would expect Arkansas to be the favorite in that game. The a week later against uh, – next Saturday against South Carolina, um, I think that's a very winnable game for Auburn. But you got to get it done on the road. You got to get it done on the road. Um, so I think I'm with you, what you said earlier, Painter. If you split this – you feel good moving forward. Um, if you sweep it, you're great. I think you just need you have to you have to take at least one. You have to take at least one. And I just I know Arkansas is not playing particularly well right now. And they could lay another egg tomorrow or tomorrow. Uh, they could play another egg Wednesday when you play them in Fayetteville. But that's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a tough game. And you already know what they're capable of. And um, they made your defense look like it wasn't even there for most of that game. Uh, so how much have you grown since then? Is going to be the real real question there. Uh, anything anything more you want to add on on basketball? Excited about the way that went. I mm-hmm. think that we've hit just about everything necessary at this point. But I think there is a really good chance Auburn can win four of its next five, and I'd like to make that the expectation because I think based on who they're playing, that's not a gimme. I know that's a lot to ask, but looking at the talent Auburn has, the way they're capable of playing. They can go on a run here before they get into that Baylor matchup, which, look, not expecting a whole lot there. Just want to see them compete. My God. Saw Davion Mitchell getting some love on ESPN late last night. Good for him. He's he's playing well, and and, uh, Kansas plays Baylor on Monday. That'll be a big one. Um, Gonzaga continues to roll. I don't think anyone's beating him. Yeah, I think St. Mary's was close in the first half, and then the second half I looked up, and it was like a 12-point game, and I went, all right, there it is. Uh. All right. Well, we that will. Felt uh, good. That felt that felt like I feel a little lighter now. I got that right. off my chest. All right. Uh, appreciate everybody for uh, listening to the podcast here. Uh, AuburnObserver.com is where you can check out our stuff. If you want to support us a little bit more? You can subscribe six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Get you access to all of our stories that we write and a premium podcast that we do on Thursdays each week. Uh, where we uh, we talk more basketball. So basically, we just double up. We'll give you we'll give you twice as much content uh, for your ear holes uh, each week if you subscribe, and then all of our uh, all of our stories as well, including the post game observations, uh, mailbags, uh, film rooms and stuff. I've got a film room coming out on Monday. I still got to I still got to get done with it. Um, this was an idea that somebody gave me, and it's kind of off the beaten path, but I'm having a lot of fun putting it together. Uh, about um, some of Auburn's new coaches, uh, want to uh, want to encourage everybody who wants to check that out. Uh, we had, you know, film room last week on um, on the defense that that we that we might see from uh, Derek Mason. We've had some other stuff uh, throughout it, uh, kind of about this new staff and where they all fit together. Noted check- three four man Derek Mason. <laughs> Check that out, auburnobserver.com. Painter. Boy, I tell you what, I can just tell multiple is going to be a word that I am tired of hearing yep. this offseason yep. between the way yep. the offense is going to yep. run, yep. between the way Derek Mason is going to run his defense. It's a meme, and it's going, it's going, to, be, it's going to be a meme you hear a lot. Um, Painter, if, for those who want to continue to support the podcast, what can they do? Rate, review, subscribe. That helps us tremendously. Rate, review, subscribe. Five stars. We love you. I'll go fishing all day. All right. Now, look, some people go the opposite route, but most of you have been very generous with those five stars. And boy, do we love that. 
Thank you guys for listening. And hey, if you know other Auburn folks who have a commute or like to walk a lot or just in the podcast, point them our way. Yep. Like we said, the, the Sunday podcast will continue to be 100% free every single week. And if you subscribe, if you join part, if you join Painter's Inner Circle, <laughs> you can get in uh, with, with the access and you get another one during the week as well. Those usually come out on Thursdays. Uh, so check it out. Um, continue to uh, to to give us all the all all the love that you think we deserve, uh, even if we might not or deserve don't all deserve or don't deserve in, in, in most of our cases. Um, but we really really appreciate it. A lot of really kind words, a lot of uh, a lot of great reviews. Mm-hmm. And um, Painter, we uh, we are closing in on seven hundred subscribers, which here. is hard to believe for a number of reasons. Uh, the support has been tremendous. We can't thank you enough. I noticed that you had like a demonic uh, mm-hmm. subscriber number. And we Recently, have blown we past that. that. Okay. Yeah, oh, we are way off that now because I think the I think the people got inspired by the good word of the <laughs> Lord and and, and and were like, we need to save these boys' souls. Um, but no, uh, really appreciate all you guys mm. uh, checking it out. We'll wrap up here. Uh, we don't have to go super super long on this because we're already almost at an hour at this point. But um, we did want to talk about Auburn football uh, to the More extent. News. There's a couple of news items we want to get to. Uh, Jamie Sherwood has announced that he's going to the NFL draft. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. The dude is a freak. The dude can do some of everything as safety. Um, I'm sure he could have helped his draft stock by coming back, but again, it's the opinion of this show. Go get your money when you can, when it's a smart decision. I think he's making that decision. Uh, Big Cat Bryant transferring to Tennessee. He's going to reunite with his uh, former high school coach in Shelton Felton, uh, who's a defense coach at, at Tennessee. And of course, also, we know that uh, we we also know that um, Kevin Steele is on board over there as well. Now probably didn't hurt, didn't hurt at all. Uh, but the big one we want to talk about is that Auburn's got a new wide receivers coach, and we're recording this at uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning. There's a chance that by the time we um, by the time we put this bad boy out there, um, or even when we're talking right here, that they are going to. Uh, have their final their 10th and final assistant coach already lined mm. up just because there's been a streak here they've done it on they've done it at 11 o'clock central like each of the last couple of days they did it at 11 with this uh, with cornelius williams they did it with tracy rocker wouldn't be surprised if that was the move but we'll see we'll see and, wonder why it is they think 11 is a good time are they thinking uh, that people are looking at their phones is that an optimal social media moment are they are trying they gonna, to generate buzz or is it the opposite are they like people they gonna are gonna do it on a sunday month? are they gonna do it on they're gonna do it on a holiday monday are they gonna wait they got one more spot left and it seems like outside linebackers coach is going to be the spot um this has been an interesting one. I'm curious to see what happens here. I, like many people, would like for T. Will to come back. I understand if Harson goes in a different direction, even if it's just for a year, and I, then I T. Heard, Will moves on. I, I would be fine with that too. I right? had heard, I had heard a lot about you know, kind of T. Will could be staying on, and that's why the outside, why outside linebackers are open. But like, I just be honest, the longer this takes, the right. longer, the longer it feels like it could be going in a different direction. Now, I had said on Thursday that there was a lot of. You know, there's still a lot of belief that T. Will would stay at Auburn, but I mean, I guess it's anybody's game, and and I think the proof of that is Cornelius Williams being your named your new wide receivers coach on Saturday. Well, there were Williams two or was, three names that I was you know hearing or thinking would be good options, but I'm gonna be honest with you, that was not one of them. And, and once I'm again, not down on, I'm not down. No, I know there were no, some no, people. No. I know there's some people that were tweeting at you saying I'm not gonna watch anymore because this wide receiver coach business. Yeah, people people just want to be miserable. I. I cannot stand that. Um, but anyway, like 
Also, like, how much of the wide receivers at Troy did you watch? How do you like? I can tell you right now. I can tell I you. Know, I can tell. I can tell you. I know a lot about the wide receivers at Troy. So you have <laughs> been in an interesting position, and yeah. I can let you go off on that tangent. But right. I will just say, like, personally, I'm feeling pretty excited about the general direction Auburn's moved in for a number of different reasons, which we've hashed out here. But I'll be honest, I just don't know much about this guy, and so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm defaulting on. The coaching staff making the right move until I see otherwise. Two things here. Number one, uh, once again, this is a move where Brian Harson is not playing by anybody's rules and and anybody's leaks or anything like that. It is quite funny to me that this is another hire, much like Brian Harson himself, where he was not one of the. This is not not even on the radar. Not even on the radar. Again, and if that doesn't go, if that doesn't show you that what's happening here is not is not normal and is not like the normal way of doing business, and that Harson's playing things close to the vest and doing things his own way, and this is a new era, I don't know what more proof I can give you that give you there. Um, and it's also, be very honest with you, it's also a reason why I personally, on top of not being good at it, is I'm not a dude who chases scoops and stuff like this because, like, it, you know. One, I don't think there's a there's much of a payoff to it in the long run. I think you can get some buzz and some attention, but nobody really remembers who breaks stories in the long term, um, unless you do it over and over and over and over and over. Whoa, is like probably the most notable one, right? Yeah, and it's a whole lot harder to do that in, in, in the college game. And number two, you know, my my job, you know, people are going to have this reaction where it's like, okay, what do you what is this going to happen? We don't know how good this hire is going to be. We don't know how good Brian Harson's going to be. We don't have know any of the coordinators, the ones that people like, the ones people don't like. It's going to take a while. And like like I wrote a couple of weeks ago, grading coaching hires is a stupid thing to do because one, it never ma- it it never makes sense to do it immediately. Two, it takes a long time, years plural, for you to see how how well it actually paid off. And three, Nothing on somebody's resume guarantees that they're going to be successful or failures in the future. We have pointed out so many head coaches in college football where people are like, why did they do that? And it ended up working. Or this dude is going to be such a success and it didn't work out. It happens, all right? So this is where we say we get to the talk about Cornelius Williams. Cornelius Williams is a guy that I think if you're Auburn and you're getting getting him, you are banking on the fact that he is going to be a big-name coach very, very soon. And... He is going to be like, like, all right, if Cornelius Williams would have played at Auburn, I don't think anybody bats an eye on this hire. Because his resume, his resume is bigger than Travis Williams and Cadillac Williams were when you brought them onto your staff. When bigger than Cody Burns was when you brought him on their staff, right? But there's a connection there. There's an Auburn fan connection there, and so fans like to see that, right? It's why they also like to see Zach Etheridge come on board. It's why they like to see a guy like Tracy Rocker come back to Auburn. Has that connection? Cornelius Williams doesn't have that, but he has done a really good job over the years at the Group of Five level and the FCS level at producing some really good receivers. Right? Um, I have had connections in the past with the Troy staff. Now, I grew up watching a ton of Troy football, and I've had movie a connection. gallery stadium, baby, your yeah. backyard. I grew up watching a lot of Troy football, and so I've I've kept my eye on the program for a while. I have had connections to people on the on the staff in the past, so I kind of know what's going on at Troy a lot more often in the past these last couple of years. Um, the word on Cornelius Williams is this: he is a player's coach. He has a he has a a really good reputation. His guys love him. Um, he's got a lot of energy. I think he's going to fit the vibe that 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 they're trying to build on this offense really really well. You look at 
you look at his receivers in the past, they have been really good all Sunbelt type of receivers. That goes back to uh, his days when he was at UAB. He produced uh, J.J. Nelson, who ended up going to the NFL, um, pl- played under him. Is at Jacksonville State. Uh, had some really good receivers at Jacksonville State as well. It's just, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, he's like, well, how many four- or five-star guys he's had? None. He was coaching at Troy and UAB. <laughs> None. He That's hasn't. not how it works, bro. It's not how it works. You know how many you know how many four and five star you know how many four star players go to a group of five schools a year like two or three in the whole country like that that that's not how that works. Um, he's had some really good receivers at the at the at the uh, at the group of five and FCS level like they are productive receivers. So in terms of developing his guys, I think he's got a good track record there. He's not a dude that has the resume of a you know a, a let's say Brian McClendon. Or a T. Martin, or Damian Craig, which was never going to happen, but some people were convinced that that would have made sense. Um, that he doesn't have that. But uh, here's the thing: all those guys started somewhere, right? Travis Williams was not uh, the guy that everybody wants Auburn to keep, and and for good reason. T. Will is a great coach, a great recruiter, and a, and his his guys love him. Another guy who. They brought in and took a chance on him, even though his resume didn't say, oh, he was going to be one of the best position coaches you have. He ends up turning into that, right? Cadillac Williams, I think, is the same way. Cornelius Williams has had a longer track record of being a coach at the at the FCS and, and Group of Five level. You're just kind of banking on that now to, to pay off with you. You have to start somewhere. And we have seen success stories in the past where, where, where not just Auburn, but other schools – Take a chance on guys that don't out of the Sun Belt, out of the Conference USA, out of out of the AAC, and with SEC resources as recruiters and as and, and with SEC talent that they coach to, that they get to coach, you see them really really work out. And another good example is one a guy that Auburn fans are talking about through this this coaching search as well. Remember Georgia got Georgia got Del McGee from Georgia Southern. And I don't think anybody's going to argue with the fact that Del McGee wasn't a really good hire for Georgia. So, Cornelius Williams, that's what you're banking on. You're having a, a chance that he could end up being that guy. So, he's not the flashy name when you bring him in, but he's got a lot of things that make sense, and it's like, what can he do with SEC resources? And that's the argument you made for Brian Harson. That's the argument you're making for a guy like Derek Mason. Um, even though he did have an SEC team, but let's be honest, Vanderbilt didn't have an SEC roster. Um, it, it fits. It fits. So, you know, I know Auburn fans would love to have gotten somebody who has like, oh, and he has signed all these five stars. Like, like, like a guy like Will Friend or a guy like Mike Bobo. So look at, look at this tracker he has in the SEC with these guys in recruiting. I know that's what you would love to have, but this is the direction they're going in right now. And... Time will tell if, with Auburn's resources and Auburn's influence, he can start bringing in four or five stars. Because here's the thing: Cody Burns was not necessarily a guy that had a well-established track record as a, as being a wide receivers coach, right? And he brought in some really good talent to come into Auburn. The fact that he went to Auburn, I think, really helped his cause a lot, and he was a program icon. And more more fans gave him the benefit of the doubt. Same thing with Travis Williams. Same with same thing with Cadillac Williams. And those things all worked out. The only difference here is that Cornelius Williams played at Troy instead of Auburn. And he was on two-a-days. But other than that, <laughs> um, I've heard really good things about him. 
I'm very curious to see what he what he looks like with a with 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 SEC resources, and I think that's the I think that's the move that they're going with here. Um, I think in terms of personality, in terms of past success at smaller schools, if he can bring that to, if he can bring that level to Auburn, kind of like what they're hoping for Brian Harson, I think it ends up being a really good hire. But who knows? Who knows that any of this is going to work? Two observations I have. One, I wonder if he'll bring any guys with him. And two, mm. uh, if Auburn at this point on its staff doesn't have other good recruiters, in fact, I feel good about the recruiters they've gone out and got. Yep. So I'll just say this. We'll wait and see. That's not yeah. a good podcast answer, but to be honest with you, don't know much about him. So and- I'm not going to say he's going to change the wide receiver position forever for Auburn, but I'm not going to tell you that it's a bad hire. And if you look at Troy's roster, their most talented position group over the last few years has been wide receiver. He's brought in or com, com, comparable to the talent you get at other position groups. at other position groups, and at the t- comparable to the talent you get at Troy. But like, here's the thing, man: like, it's hard to recruit at Troy. It is. It's the middle of nowhere. Right. In, in right. Uh, speak. I mean, I can say that I grew up down there. And I'll be very honest with you, Troy's local area, South Alabama, is a talent devoid place, comparatively speaking. Like there will be that that whole wire I was talking to talking to, to somebody about this the other day. That whole that whole wiregrass area, you know, there are more there are more D one football players in Lee County than there is for an entire half of the state, it feels like, until you get down to Mobile, until you get into that area. And, you know, every now and then, Bruton and, and, and Troy and Dothan and Enterprise might produce some guys, but not on, on the whole. And then going back to your other point, when those areas do produce four- and five-star talents, do you think that they're going to Troy? I'm not being disrespectful, but they're and usually it, going to Alabama thing, Peter, or one they of don't the other SEC programs. Here's the thing, Peter. They don't have to produce four- and five-star guys. They have to produce three-star guys. They just don't do it a lot, right? Right. right. You know? Like, Auburn – Went in and got like Richard McBride from from uh, from Charles Henderson, and and they've gotten some guys in the past from down there. But like it's, you know. Anyway, what I'm saying is is that he was able to find ways to get some guys coming to Troy that aren't necessarily like that local area is not great for talent. They go into South Georgia. He goes into Mississippi. He goes into North Alabama. Um, you know, some of the more richer areas in 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 the state, the Mobile area as well. Um, to get to get that kind of talent, so I think your regional ties are going to be very strong through him. If you're gonna, if there are some talented receivers in Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi, Cornelius Williams is going to help get in, get you in the door there because of just just as he he knows the area, he has that familiarity. Um, so again, like I said, you're banking on the fact that maybe this guy is going to be a that he, that he, that he's going to be a big-time recruiter and a big-time developer of talent at the SEC level because he has more resources at his disposal. Is it going to work? I don't know. But that's the pitch you're making with Brian Harson in general, so I think this fits. This this fits a lot a lot of what they're, what they're going to do. So we'll see. It will be a year or two before we know just how well Harson was able to assemble his first staff at Auburn, and we'll see how it kind of wraps up. Um, it is past 11 o'clock Central now, and they have not made an announcement, so... Ooh. Maybe they're waiting. Maybe they're waiting. Do they schedule know. tweets? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> like if you go back and look at the 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 um the Cornelius Williams hire and the um the Tracy Rocker one, like it was at eleven oh 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 oh. The time stamp is like literally the the millisecond it struck eleven o'clock. 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I know a lot of people are wondering about Travis Williams. Um, I guess the more this takes, the more it looks like it might be somebody else. We'll see. We have we have no real way of knowing for sure because, again, there have been several times throughout this process where, including Harson himself, where it's like, oh, that name wasn't on anybody's radar. So we will see how it goes for sure. That's going to do it for this podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. As we said earlier, all those kind kind things that we said about you, we still believe them. Um, AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. Painter, the uh, the Buffalo Bills are going to the AFC title game. That's right. That's right, baby. That's right. The Bills, as we all predicted it, one of the best teams in football this season, led got- by their fearless leader, Josh Allen. And I was, I was ridiculed by people for mentioning that Stephon Diggs was a top 10 receiver when the trade happened and he went to uh, Buffalo. People said that was a silly thing to say and, Huh. And you were you wrong know? because he's not a top 10 receiver. Player. He's a top five receiver. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a fair way of spinning it. Yes. Um, I thought we were getting, I thought we were going to get like old school Josh Allen a little bit in that game. And the Ravens defense is really good. They, they cover was, so yeah. well. I was worried about that. I was like, is he just going to turn the ball over at the worst possible moments? And then the other thing of course, is that the bills just don't have a very good run defense. And well, we know Lamar Jackson and some of those running backs can, uh, can move the ball there. So good win for, uh, for the good guys. We love that about the bills. That pick six pretty, pretty Ooh, special. Yeah. When he was returning, it looked like he's going to attack with the four. And I was like, you idiot. And then he kept going. I was like, well, I guess that's why I'm watching you play buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, the bills are making it to the AFC title game. And uh, as I, as I said on Twitter, I've been completely bills pilled. Uh, we're, we're, I'm all in, I'm all in. Bill's gonna win the Super Bowl this year. We're gonna we're we're all on board. Uh, I am embracing I am embracing our 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 Great Lakes overlords. Um, so anyway, we'll see who they end up playing. I hope it's the Chiefs. You know, everybody had the we're recording this of course before the games happened today, but like the Browns, like everybody got on like, hey, the Browns they beat the Steelers. That's amazing. Like, oh, that's great. Like they finally did it and then they got it. And, you know, they they had that really big first quarter and it was awesome. And it's like I'm gonna be very honest with you, I think it would be very, very funny if the Chiefs won by like fifty today. Just I think there's just, a good chance that the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and are probably the most quietly talked about whatever I don't know what their final record will be, eighteen and one, however much your record comes out to if you make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And really like the expectation has become championship or bust given all the pieces they have around the best quarterback in the league and so i feel like we've just sort of largely put yeah. aside all of the great things they've done because there have been some other good stories in football right i mean the bills uh-huh. and the browns came on the steelers for a long time were playing good football with an old quarterback aaron Rodgers has looked great so it's been sort of easy to forget and i won't be surprised if we're all at the end of the nfl season standing there watching patrick mahomes hoist a trophy for the second straight year they were the best team in, in football during the regular season. Um, really glad, though, that the Packers beat the Rams. I'm tired of watching the Rams play football. As, as long as it's as long as long it's not Aaron Donald, I don't really care about it as much um, when it comes to the Los Angeles Rams. And, uh, yeah, I got the old guys going up against each other, Brady and Breeze. Uh, I don't know. I, I, think whoever, I think whoever wins that game gets sacrificed to the Packers next week. But, anyway... <laughs> I guess it's a cool story that the old guys get to do it. It's not. I really don't care about Tom Brady. Um, 
or Drew Brees for that matter. So it's also amazing that it took this long. We've got all these great quarterbacks in the league over the last couple of draft cycles. And it's like, what happened during a five, 10 year stretch that allowed those quarterbacks to be the ones we're still talking about? I guess it, it does not hurt. Either. The NFC, the NFC has, has a real bad quarterback problem outside of, uh, I mean, you look at the good young quarterbacks in the NFC or the younger quarterbacks in the NFC. It's like Russ who's still in his prime. And that's it. It was a moment where Jared Kyler. Goff made me think he was good, and I'm not so sure about that. Like Kyler is Kyler's your other best option right now, because then the rest it's like it, they're all old. They're all it's Brady now who came into the it came into it, but it's Brady, Breeze, Matt Ryan. You know when Matt Ryan's playing well, Matt Stafford is you know older now. I hope whatever happens for Deshaun Watson results in him having a better franchise around him. Also, LOL about Bill Bryan. If anything could prove that it almost doesn't matter who's calling the plays for Alabama, it would be that they would hire Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, I I think. You know what? They will be good. And statistically speaking, they'll be back in the playoff next year, regardless of who's their coordinator on offense, because they've only missed the playoffs one time. Yeah, at least the thing with Bill O'Brien is just like, the Texans' problem wasn't that they they weren't good on offense. I mean, Deshaun Watson and I know he I know Bill O'Brien got fired during the season there, but like Deshaun Watson led the league in yards per attempt on a team that if they had their draft pick would be picking third in the third in the draft this upcoming you know in a, in a couple of months. So like Bill O'Brien, I don't think it's going to be a problem. It's not going to be a matter of all whatsoever. It's like Bill O'Brien is like the proof though. It's like the one thing that or the, the one big thing that people hated about him in Houston is that he was a he made some idiotic personnel decisions and he's just not a dude that people get along with really well that's not going to matter in at Alabama because the talent's going to come there and all he's got to do is just call plays and you don't even have to deal with the media there right this is the best thing he could do he's smart to do it you know he's got the uh, Belichick thing on his resume he's he's held a clipboard standing next to that great coach now I can go hold a clipboard standing next to the great college coach and somebody will hire him in two seasons and guess what it won't make a difference for their program yep 100 100 either way we'll say this go bills go bills we'll talk to y'all later next uh, later in the week for those of you in the inner circle we'll talk to y'all next week everybody else be good adios